So uh, likewise, the ulama have a trust towards the awam as to what they should guide them to to the best of their ability, not for any ulterior, uh, any other, you know, ulterior motive. The ulama have a trust towards the people. I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying to fulfill that trust. May Allah make it easy for us. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa sallama tasliman kathiran ila yawmiddin amma ba'd. Assalamu alaikum everybody. I hope you guys are doing very very well. Uh, today we're looking at one of the prominent verses of the Quran. I'm sure um, some of you, uh, many of you may have heard it. It's from Surah An-Nisa and it's verse 57 of, uh, 57 of Surah An-Nisa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله يأمركم أن تؤدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها وإذا حكمتم بين الناس أن تحكموا بالعدل إن الله نعم يعيذكم به إن الله كان سميعا بصيرا Now, going back to the verse now Allah commands you to deliver your trusts. What exactly does that mean? I mean, on the broad sense of it, obviously that's a very, very important uh, aspect, right? However, in detail, I think that's what we need to do so that uh, we need to understand so that we can actually put this in action. Because uh, generally, yes, it's a great idea that we have that we would like to have in trust. However, what I'm going to do is I'm going to open this up. And uh, when we when we hear all of these points, right, uh, you'll see that some of them we might already be doing and then there'll be others that we might have trouble with that we don't really have never thought about it being a trust. So that's why I think, inshallah, this will be beneficial for us to understand exactly what trusts are and how this is all split up. So firstly speaking, there are uh, we're going to split this up into three different types of trust. Um, one is a trust uh, related to the human being with his Lord. Right, So there's a trust that God has given us, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided us that we need to look after. So how, what are those? And uh, it's good to know so that we can make sure we're getting this right. Number two, it's the trust between people. If people have given us something in trust, right? how do we look after that and make sure that we fulfill that? And the third one, I mean, what's left is the trust within our own selves, that what is the trust to ourselves, our responsibility to ourselves and the trust that we have of ourselves. So it's necessary, obviously, to have amana and trustworthiness in all of this regard. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy. So just to quickly speak about this, the first one is with the Lord. What exactly that means uh, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Uh, I mean, broadly speaking, I think you can just sum it up in the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has obligated us certain things, so we must fulfill them as a trust, and He's prohibited us certain things, so we must abstain from them as a trust. That's the big thing. However, as Imam Razi says, he says, هذا بحر لا ساحل له. Like that in itself is a major, uh, uh, you know, ocean. And there's no end to that ocean. Like there's so many things that we can speak about there. According to Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, uh, he says that amana should be in everything and it's binding. For example, your wudu is an amana. A lot of people think wudu is just kind of like a tool that we have to uh, just instrument that we do quickly, hurried up, you know, and then we go for prayer. Um, yes, it is a tool in that sense. However, they say that if you want a good prayer, you need to have a good wudu. So you need to actually focus on your wudu as a, as a trust and to do it right and perfectly. And 
in a very enhanced way. Uh, likewise, in everything else, in terms of purity, in salat, in zakat, in psalm, all of these are trust. We should do them and fulfill them uh, and fulfill them properly. Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, he breaks this down a bit for us and he says that, uh, I mean, he splits it up into a few things with regards to ourselves, right? This is the trust between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he's given us various different faculties, various different limbs. All of those are trust and how do we fulfill the trust about them? So he starts off for, for some reason uh, with the private parts of the human being that they are a t trust that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has hidden within you and concealed within you and given you, you know, many prospects through it. You need to protect them, he says, and you can't release them, you can't display them, you can't use them except according to their right. And again, that's a big discussion, right? So looking, uh, expressing, and so on and so forth, all of that comes in there. Second one, as it, because we're in a hurry and keep these short. Um, the second one is the lisan and the tongue. That basically means that we don't want to use it in falsehood. We don't want to use it in backbiting, in tail-bearing, in kufr. I mean, that would be the worst of it. To utter blasphemous words violating Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's right, innovations, vulgarity, um, uh, and uh, abusive language, and, and so on and so forth, without any right. Then number three, the eye. <clears throat> so that means to not use it uh, to look at the haram and the blameworthy. Then we've got the ears uh, to only listen to what's right in that, what's beneficial, and not uh, use it for distraction and for uh, false entertainment, to listen to bad discussions uh, and, and uh, sins and, and things of that nature, music, etc. Right. So that was the first one, which is between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, just generally speaking, that is what it includes. Right, because all of these are limbs that Allah has given us as a trust. That's why, right? That's how it's related to Allah. Let's move on to the second type of trust that we have is basically with others. So that's our intersocial, interpersonal relationships with others and our responsibilities to one another. And I think one of the biggest things is essentially returning a trust, right? So somebody has kept something with you to look after. Can you please look after this for me? I'm traveling. Can you please look after? Uh, my keys, can you please look after you know this jewelry of mine? Can you look after this sum of money? Can, can you look after you know my car, right? Can I park it outside your house? Can I park it in your garage? Can I park it in your driveway? And, and so on and so forth. Or for example, um, you know, I've got uh, I'm clearing up. Can I just uh, leave some of this stock in your in your storehouse? in your storeroom, you know, in your supply center, in your, in your shop, whatever it may be, right? So that, that's the first thing, to, to look after that according to the way you would look after your own and, uh, and then to give it back. That's the main thing, to give it back timely when they want it back. Uh, another thing that would be uh, fulfilling the trust is that if you are selling something, don't sell with short measure, like by deception, for example. Uh, one less tomato, one less potato, right? Um, some kilos less or one, one um, some amount less or some volume less uh, then you won't believe this but also keeping people's secrets is a trust did you, did you think about that when we read the verse first in fact the default in any discussion that you have with somebody else or what you find out about somebody else is that al-majalisu bil-amana so the Prophet said that gatherings 
sessions, discourse is to be held in trust by default. Yes. If you know that they don't mind you telling or they want you to tell somebody or uh, and so on. If they mind you and it's, and it's beneficial, you're still not allowed to tell because that's their secrets. It's their trust. So really keep that in mind because there's a lot of problems with this. Some people would like to talk, you know, to add, uh, uh, to, to, to give. You have to be very careful with this. We as scholars have to be very careful. Lots of people tell us things. Uh, lots of people who tell us things. I sometimes will sit with people, even family members, who will be discussing a certain individual and their case, their incident or something. I will know their entire story because that person has confided or has consulted me on it and I won't reveal a thing, right? Because it's it, it's wrong. It's wrong. Unless they've told me to reveal, then it's fine. They've said I can tell the, the story, you know, for clarity, whatever, that's fine. But otherwise, I don't even tell my own family members about these things because it's a trust at the end of the day, Right? Trust have to be kept in trust. You tell somebody, they're going to tell somebody, they're going to tell somebody, and then that's it. It's gone, right? It's gone. There is no secret anymore, and a person can be harmed by that. Um, another trust is where if you're in any position of authority, then you've got a trust towards your subjects, towards your citizens, towards your children, towards your family members, towards your employees, towards your students. These are all positions. You could be a teacher. Right? You could be a manager, you could be a counselor, you could be a politician, you could be a prime minister, a president, whatever it is, you know, whoever is listening, right? Whatever, we're all at some level or the other, I think we have some authority over something or the other. And again, that's a trust that we have been given. It's a trust position that we have been provided and we need to make the best of it. I know there's gonna be so many distractions, so many pressures, especially nowadays. It's just all the various uh, different interests that will uh, seek to take us away and uh, to basically just pander to various different interests one has to be very very careful Allah make it easy because it's not it's definitely not easy right so uh, likewise the ulama have a trust towards the awam as to what they should guide them to to the best of their ability not for any ulterior uh, any other you know ulterior motive the ulama have a trust towards the people. I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying to fulfill that trust. May Allah make it easy for us. So, <clears throat> there's, uh, as you can see, how broad, how broad the concept of trust is, and that shows you how pertinent and profound this verse is. And Subhanallah, um, obviously, part of this was the Prophet ﷺ giving back the keys. He taken it on trust. He gave it back. Uh, likewise, for a wife not to be committing zina, bearing somebody else's child and then saying it's a husband's child, you know, applying it to him, that would be untrustworthy as well. Likewise, uh, one of the Mufassirs have mentioned that after a wife is divorced, right, she is still, after a wife is divorced, she is still uh, due expenses, right, while she's in her waiting period, her idda, which is usually about three months or so. Now, uh, if she just keeps lengthening that, who's going to go to check? And she says, no, no, I'm not. My menstruation is not coming. And she pulls it six, seven months just so that she can get that. That would be going against the trust as well. That's a trust. So you can understand how deep this is of how trust is in this regard. Okay, now quickly, there's uh, the third aspect of the trust. Uh, which one is it? It's the trust with ourselves. Now, what's left? What else is there in a trust? I mean, I thought we dealt with the eyes and private parts and so on. Now, this is a bit more broader than that. It's a bit more particular about that. It's, it is that we ourselves owe it to ourselves as a trust that we choose for ourselves that which is the most beneficial and most prudent, right? And give us the best welfare, both for this world and the hereafter. 
Now, this is where a lot of people, we get into the world, so we do things for the benefit of this world so that we can acquire a bit more here and there. But it's absolutely wrong for the hereafter. We're shortchanging ourselves. We are actually betraying the trust to ourselves because we're going to suffer for it later on. We're going to suffer for it later on, maybe in this world and in the hereafter. May Allah protect us. May Allah forgive us for, for these kind of problems and keep us uh, correct. For example, usually this would happen when we allow our desires to overwhelm us, to uh, acquire something, to take something, to indulge something in something that is haram, that is wrong. There's going to be a sin, for example, or it's going to be betraying somebody else's trust as well, right? Or to be overwhelmed with anger and then take certain measures, jump to conclusions and so on through our arrogance or anger or whatever it is and then get in trouble for that. That will be harmful in the hereafter. So that's not in our best interest either. That's why the Prophet ﷺ said, look, every one of you is a ra'in, kullukum ra'in. Every one of you is a shepherd at some level. The wife is, the husband is, everybody is to something that they have, right? And everybody's going to be eventually asked uh, about their subjects. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala underscores uh, this in multiple places. So this is not the only verse that discusses this. But you can see how just when this one verse talks about such a major aspect of Islam. Anyway, this is not the only verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions it in multiple, multiple places. For example, Allah says, In Allah ya'murukum. In Allah ya'murukum an tu'addul amanati ila ahliha which is the verse that we've just dealt with. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Ahzab, verse 72, إِنَّا عَرَضْنَا الْأَمَانَةَ عَلَى السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَالْجِبَالِ فَأَبَيْنَا أَنْ يَحْمِلْنَاهَا وَأَشْفَقَنَا مِنْهَا وَحَمَلَهَا الْإِنسَانِ We presented the trust. Now that could refer to a specific trust as well. There's different tafsirs here. Upon the heavens, we, we presented this trust. We, we offered it to the heavens, the earth, and the mountains. They refused. I mean, these are the biggest and mightiest entities we have. They refused to carry them. They were in fact were afraid. But the human took it. Then Allah says, Those who are very considerate of their trust and their covenants. Then Allah says, You're going to uh, betray your trusts. And the Prophet ﷺ clinched it. He said, There is no iman for the one who has no trust. Interestingly, uh, you can see the seriousness of this. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud reports that shahada, martyrdom, which most people know, has one of the highest forms of reward and compensation. And it's supposed to forgive a person all of their sins. However, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, shahada expiates for every sin except trusts. They don't get automatically wiped out by this. It, he says that a person is going to be brought in the hereafter and he is being killed in the path of Allah, like one of the highest you know, levels of sacrifice a person can do. And then he's going to be said to him, Addi amanatak, pay your debt. Pay, you know, give back, your, uh, give back the things entrusted to you. He's going to say, where am I going to do this? The dunya is gone. Right, how am I going to do this? So whatever he owes, multiple things that he owes, it's going to manifest itself in a huge form in the depths of hell and he's going to be forced to carry it on his neck and it'll just roll off. I mean, he can't carry it. It's too much of a burden. That's what he's going to be continuing to do, continuing to do. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to pay back our trust, any land grab, any 
these silly disputes that we have, whether whatever sum it is, just get it done. Just get it done. It doesn't matter how your anger is uh, clouding your mind or uh, you think you're right or whatever the case is. It's just, even if I'm right in some cases, unless you're 100% absolutely right, sometimes I've dealt with multiple cases where it's just a deception, right? It's just a total misreading of the situation and a person thinks they're right. If you have a doubt, really, you should just just, just uh, solve it in some way, settle on something. Now, just very quickly, in terms of liabilities, I'll just mention a masala. If somebody gives me something to look after, and I look after it the way I would look after my own things, and then if it gets lost, uh, it, or if it perishes or whatever, if it gets stolen or whatever the case is, right, I would not be liable. In the Hadith Madhab, I would not be liable. So, the assumption is that you're only going to give somebody something in trust to look after and to hold on to, right? If you think that they're decently trustworthy. If there's somebody who's sloppy, who if you give them something, they're not going to look after it properly. What they're going to do is they're going to, uh, what do you call it, um, leave it in their front room. The kids will play with it. it will tell people about it or whatever. Obviously, you can see that that's not the kind of person. If you give it to that kind of person and he looks after it in his sloppy way, then he loses it. Well, that's the issue, right? You, why did you trust that kind of a person to look after your things? You give it to a decent person, uh, and I'm assuming that if you are going to give something to someone, it's going to be a decent person, because at your level, what you think that the person is capable of doing. And then the guy looks after it to the best of their ability, which means to the same way that they would look after their own things. They're not liable if anything happens. Shafi'i school, uh, Imam Shafi, he considers them liable, but the Hanafis don't, right? That doesn't mean that I can be abused, because if you transgressed, and you didn't look after it, and you transgressed in some way by telling others or not keeping it safe or using it. For example, somebody gave you a kind, you started using it, and then something happened to it. Well, you will be liable. Because as soon as you do transgression, you become what they call a ghasib, a usurper, and thus you become liable. Likewise, if you've got something off somebody's that they've kept with you, they come for it, and you can give it back, but you don't, right? And you say, oh, come tomorrow, come tomorrow, come tomorrow. You also then become a usurper. And now if anything happens, you will be liable as well in that kind of a case, right? So that's just <clears throat> important for us to understand that. And with that, inshallah, we will be looking at the next part of the verse in the next section, inshallah. Jazakallah khair, Allah bless you all. Keep us in your du'as and Allah bless us. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam at least at their basic level so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially for example the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.